Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. So it is coming up to four minutes past six, which means you should... I know, if you haven't, it's four minutes past five, OK? I had to go around yesterday and change every clock, you know, and you suddenly realise how many clocks you've got to change. So I've got four in the bedroom. Four. Oh, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Four clocks in the bedroom. I've got uh, two in the bathroom. The one in the kitchen's automatic. The one on the cooker needed changing. The one on the washing machine needed changing. The one on the TV is fine. The one on the DVD is fine. The one on the computer's fine. The one in the car I had to change. And I had to do my watch as well. I mean, seriously, when are we going to do away with this ludicrous charade of changing the uh, the blooming clocks every five minutes? Sounds ridiculous. Some stories. Woo! Boy, have we got stories for you this morning. I thought it was interesting, as we were talking to George about The Voice, and, uh, of course, at the time, we didn't know two were going to vanish. Uh, one for, uh, for um, family reasons, I think, uh, and the other one is to do with cocaine. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that cocaine is not around all over the place. However, you don't expect some idiot who's appearing on The Voice to start... To, I mean, where's she getting the money from? I mean, how do people afford to do cocaine? I mean, it's not exactly cheap, is it? But this is Beth Morris, who failed to appear. The Sun on Sunday tell you she was axed for snorting cocaine. The BBC did it in a slightly different way. They just said, uh, owing to a, a problem that we weren't aware of originally, uh, she's decided to leave the show. And I thought to myself, I thought, I mean, that's really... I mean, I mean the actual statement said that uh, Beth is pulling out for personal reasons. Yep, because she's shoving Columbia up her nose. Now, whether or not... That is, you know, reason to drop somebody. I've got no idea. But uh, Chloe has uh, withdrawn. They wish her all the best, they say. Uh, the reason for the departure is unrelated. Isn't it funny? Two of them, due to personal reasons that have only just come to light. In fact, they've only just realised that Beth Morris, uh, who must have already done the story, because this was a live programme last night, and yet she's done an interview in The Sun on Sunday today. And she's talked about... Uh, the uh, the drug. She says, I've relapsed since I left the Priory. Uh, she's issued a statement and she says here, two years ago I realised I had a problem with drugs. I was using them to cope with various issues. It's always the way, isn't it? I was using drugs to cope with issues. Loads of people have issues. Loads of people go through bereavement. Loads of people go through all sorts of trauma and they don't do drugs. So perhaps she's weak. Perhaps she's uh, feeble. She says, I thought they would help me but they were making the situation worse. I made the decision to seek treatment and check myself into the Priory. Have you seen how much the Priory is? Where does she get her money from? Where is her money coming from? The Priory is, like, super-duper expensive. So she's doing coke, and um, and she's able to book herself into the Priory. I mean, how old is she, for God's sake? She's, she's 26. Where do you get the money from, darling, at 26, to book yourself into the Priory? Very odd. Anyway, she says, addiction is tough, and I'm sorry to say I've relapsed on a few occasions. Yeah, we've heard it before, haven't we? We heard it from Daniela Westbrook. Yeah, I'm clean. Oh, go back on drugs again. And then it turns out, what's the latest one? Who was the latest one that I've now completely given up on? Paul Gascoigne. He's relapsed yet again. He was pictured with a bottle in his hand. And uh, quite clearly, all that money he got for being uh, phone hacked, he's uh, shoving it down his throat again. And then one of these footballers, who apparently is supposed to be looking after him, said he's got a good team of people around him. Well, quite clearly, he hasn't got a good team of people around him because he was off, you know, clutching a bottle of gin, stumbling into a taxi. I mean, it's just absolute. What, what, what more can you do for him? George Best drank himself to death 
What can you do? What can you do with him? I don't know how much more time we can give to him. You know, Gascoigne, it's his... I mean, this is his last hope, isn't it, really? I mean, I, I really don't think he, uh, he, he can keep going like this. Last night, former Spurs teammate Gary Mabbott says, I knew things had started to go wrong last week. Generally, we speak or text every couple of days, and I haven't been able to get hold of him. I gener- well, why don't you just make an effort to go and see him? You're not playing football every day, are you? Oh, truth, honestly. But anyway, he's been having a really good spell. We had him dry for the last five or six months. Well, quite clearly not. Quite clearly not. So he's had a relapse, and he's been taken in for his own welfare. Because, I mean, it's, you know, he's just going to drink himself to death. And we're all going to say, but what more could anybody do? It's an embarrassment now, but that's alcohol, isn't it? I mean, he's not been into rehab just the once, or the twice, or the three times, or the four times, or the five times, or the six times. Seven times he's been in rehab. He's been sectioned twice, but he's not been sectioned this time round. I mean, so, you know, I kind of go, sorry, mate, we've washed our hands. You know, if you don't want to help yourself, you quite clearly don't want to help yourself. Going back to this, uh, the coat shame from Beth. She says here, um, uh, I regularly attend Narcotics Anonymous. Being in the Priory gave me the tools to face up to my illness. And it definitely helped me on the road to recovery. Being on The Voice has been the best experience. And then, of course, she chucks it all away. You know, and it's uh, we're expected to have some sort of sympathy. The production team and contestants have all been incredible. Well, of course they would be. It's a, it's a television programme. Little did they realise that you were snorting up in the corner. She says, I'm sorry I've let everybody down, but I'm determined to put this behind me, continue with my recovery, and channel all my energies and my, into my singing. They're not going to touch you with a barge pole, dear. Who do you think's going to... I mean, really? I'm only looking at this logically. Do you seriously believe that somebody at the beginning of a career who can afford to book themselves into the, uh, into the priory and can, you know, afford to do cocaine? I mean, why would you chuck it away? Why would you, why would you throw away your life? Why would you bother doing it? I don't understand it. I really don't. I, I never get to grips with all these people in show business who fall off the wagon. As Boy George told me, and you listened to the interview back again, and we were talking about uh, his addiction, which wasn't drink, it was drugs. And, uh, and he said, all my friends said to me, listen, you're, you're better without it. You're not a nice person on drugs. It's like Gascoigne. He's not a nice person when he's drunk. He really isn't. He's a, he's a danger to himself. His face was all covered in blood the other day. And you start thinking, barring chaining him to a wall... Oh, wait a minute, that's where Boy George comes back in again. Sorry. But barring, you know, sort of tying him up in a cell or something, what can you do? You can't stop him going out. You can't stop him going into a, into a boozer. You can't stop him going to a corner shop and buying a bottle. What do we do? The answer is, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know what we're supposed to do. But I am getting increasingly bored with reading stories about, oh, he's fallen off the wagon again, and then his friends go, well, he was doing really well. Well, obviously not. You can't take your eye off the ball. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. They don't, they don't just stop being an alcoholic. It would only take one drink, as you've discovered, to get him back on it again. And then he'll fall over, he'll do himself damage. I mean, the next thing is, you know, he'll, he'll fall off a bridge or something stupid, because he just doesn't know what he's doing. Drink affects different people. If you're an alcoholic, it's a sickness. It's an illness. You can't do anything about it. You just have to, you know, you can go into various places and go in for a drying out session. But all you're thinking about is, oh, I can't wait to get out and have another drink again. All right, some people do make it through the other side. But predominantly, people just, you see them. I mean, how many times? Come on, grow up. 
You know, you walk through London or Edinburgh or Glasgow or Manchester, and what do you see? People sitting by the side of the road with a bottle. People sitting by a cash flow. You've got, got some change, mate. Don't give to anybody. Do not give to anybody who is begging on the streets of London. 99% of them are not homeless. 99% of them have a place to go to. So you're not helping the problem. What you're doing by giving them money is making it worse. Give them food. Give them food. They don't want food, though. They want the money for the, uh, for the drugs and the booze. But don't give them money. That was the advice from the police. That was advice from the police. So anyway, so, uh, so there it is, you know, the cocaine binge of another person on the television. And it, uh, it sort of, I don't know, you just kind of lose the will to live, don't you? I still want to know, though, 26. I mean, has she got a proper job or something? Perhaps that'll emerge during the course of this week. I bet, bet the sun are on that one as well. Um, I know that my brother is uh, listening in bed with tea and toast. Oh, dear. Should you really have toast in bed? Is that the best thing to have on a Sunday? And uh, they're coming up to town tomorrow. I was in town yesterday. Boy, it was busy. Wow, it was chock-a-block. Absolutely, you know, really, really busy. I managed to find a parking space, which was great. 18 quid for four hours in Covent Garden. I tweeted about it. I didn't... I need to take out a second mortgage. Oh, I need that coffee. Need that coffee. So now the clocks have gone forward. You've lost the extra hour. You're probably all feeling a little bit miserable about uh, about your life. Patsy says, uh, I wonder if anybody else reset their iPhone last night and switched off the set automatically feature, not trusting it to update itself. Well, I did, and it put the phone forward one hour anyway. Well, I, I haven't touched my phone, and it updates one hour anyway. It's uh, inter- Oh, is this... Oh, is this... Oh, get to know Beth... Oh, here we go. Sorry, I've just got to go back to this one, because now we find out a bit more about her. Stylist by day and husky blue starlet by night, Beth has, cre- has creativity strewn into all aspects of her life, whether it be fashion, art, design, and, of course, cocaine. Sorry, and her singing. Sorry, I threw that last bit in myself. Her blind audition of Tina Turner's Nutbush City Limits certainly got our newbie coach Paloma's attention, and once that chair spun, it was a case of one petite blonde talent to another. And then it all goes horribly wrong. You know, 26, lives in Maidenhead. Her inspirations were James Brown, Stevie Nicks, The Rolling Stones and Little Richard. And half of Columbia. Um, you know, I'm sorry I added that last bit myself. I'm sorry, I can't help it. I just, I just sort of lose, I lose kind of anything. I'm not really interested, you know, in people's bleatings on about why they do drugs. It's there. As far as I'm concerned, you want to screw up your career and your life, do, it, do drugs. Do, do as many drugs as you want. I've often thought maybe, you know, when we have drug tests in the Olympic Games and stuff like that, I think they should just say, I tell you what, let's do away with it. Let's have the drug games. And everybody can take as many performance-enhancing drugs as they want, and let's see who takes the best ones. I mean, the Tour de France would be brilliant. You'd have people laughing as they ride off the road, and people go, ha, 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 as they smash into each other, and somebody else go, do you want to do another? I mean, it could be far more entertaining than anything you've ever seen. Which pop star's poster would you hang on your wall right now? This is quickfire questions with Beth. She'd hang up Little Richard's poster. Lovely. If you could have witnessed any musical event in history, what would it be? Any musical event. And what does she come up with? James Brown performing at the legendary 1974 Soul Festival in Zaire. Actually, a record came out by uh, the Kinshasa band. I think it was called In Zaire. And uh, here we go. Uh, OK, question. You're headlining Wembley. Market. I don't think it's going to be anything else, love. What would you have on your rider? Oh, oh, just water and food for all the hard workers. I mean, come on. Obviously a couple of, you know, come on. Wouldn't just be water and food, would it? Smarties. 
And what's the best prank you ever pulled? <laughs> we know that one, don't we? Uh, I used to pretend I was different people when I went out. I used to have different accents, different personalities and even different careers. I don't think that's pranking, dear. I think that's called schizophrenic. I mean, I don't want to be rude about it. But when you go out pretending to be different people with different accents and different personalities and even different careers, that's that's an illness. I think you need to seek help as quick as possible. Small wonder we got her off the programme. The BBC are probably going, has nobody noticed this one? Mad as a fruit bat. She goes out to her, so uh, my name is uh, Beth and I am a Russian spy. Okay, dear, of course you are. This way to the Priory. Just just down here, dear. Turn on the left. Book yourself in as quick as possible. It's madness, isn't it? Absolute madness. But uh, still to come. Oh, I knew it would, it would build up this one. It's the story that's got... It's got everybody talking, actually. And the person behind it is getting very worried that any day now their name is going to be leaked. What is it? Tell you after this. Steve Allen on LBC. Join me, Ian Collins, as we discuss the issues gripping Europe. Tonight, 10pm on LBC. It's tonight. It's tonight. This afternoon, it's the boat race. Uh, the Oxford-Cambridge boat race returns to the River Thames. And I think uh, I think the odds are Cambridge this time round. It's, uh, it's 4.2 miles, as you know, from Putney to Mortlake. Uh, more than a quarter of a million people will line the banks of the Thames. Not if it's going to be windy and blowy and things like that, will they? Um, interesting that some some crew members return back again. 4.10 it is. 4.10 it'll be on the television and it'll be covered uh, on LBC as well. And so I won't bother reading out the crew. You don't know any of them. Um, all you need to know is that they're going to be out there. I'd even forgotten it was today. Uh, Oxford, they're offering... Uh, with Bet Victor, 11 to 8, Cambridge, 8 to 15. 8 to 15. I mean, it, you know, other odds apply from other places as well. Uh, but to be honest with you, I couldn't give a stuff. I'm seriously, I mean, I couldn't be less interested if a cockroach got run over in Trafalgar Square. But uh, but the, the thing is, I remember that lovely film about the Oxford-Cambridge boat race, which came out, which was called True Blue. You know, it's on my list of, of films that you must see. And it was the year that the... Uh, some of the crew rebelled uh, because they wanted a certain member put into the uh, put into the into the boat, and it didn't happen. But they made this this fantastic film called True Blue, which was filmed on the tent. One of the best best films I've ever seen about boating and about uh, about sculling and everything else. Uh, they say best place to see it. Where's the best place to see? It? I suppose I mean standing by the by the banks of the Thames is actually quite nice. So if you can find a pub by the bank of the banks of the Thames, uh, the best place is uh, Star and Garter. Uh, which could be uh, could be quite nice. That's on the banks there, so you can. Sort of, but everybody was there early, weren't they? Catch the action, and so you get there. As long as you can cope with the cars going right, you know, in front of you. But the, but if you'll just enjoy. It's all right. You can you can cope with it. But it will be rammed. And if you're sitting at a table at the back, not a good position. Need to sit at a table at the front. Okay, nice looking pub actually. Looks like a nice old pub. Old pub. Uh, James says pleasant Easter Sunday. He says just as I thought it was going to be a nice day. It started raining. Oh, inside it was Johnny Wakelin. And the Kinshasa band, I think you'll find Michael in Glasgow. I'm very rarely wrong. I think we will check on that. I'm, I'm very rarely wrong on my music. I know that. So it's Johnny Wakelin and the Kinshasa. Oh, oh, we will check it. In Zaire. It was called In Zaire, In Zaire. And I'm pretty certain it was Johnny Wakelin and the Kinshasa band. I mean, if I'm wrong, I shall send money to you immediately. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty... It was about uh, Muhammad Ali... So, Johnny Wakelin. Can we find... Yeah, it's called In Zaire, the song. 
Johnny Wakelin in Zaire. Uh, we'll just have you, we should have you a quick check, actually. Johnny Wakelin. And I'm pretty certain it was the Kinshasa band. But um, I'm pretty certain. Well, it, even if it isn't, I'm saying it is. I don't care. Who's going who's to sue? For goodness sake, who cares? Sunday morning, isn't it? I'm sure it was the... I'm just... I'm pretty, pretty... Yeah, Inzaya Kinshasa Band. There you go. Johnny Wakelin and the Kinshasa Band. Thank God for that. Phew. Send money and an apology, Michael. OK, thank you. Just want to make a big deal about it. I know I'm never wrong. It's very embarrassing, I realise. And especially on a Sunday morning. Now, here is the story... That's uh, that's got them all talking. Well, it's got it's got the internet talking. This is about a famous person and famous other half, and the paper, the Sun, on Sunday had a story that the person in the relationship was going off for extracurricular with other people. Threesomes was mentioned. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to mention it so early on a Sunday morning. I realise that, you know, if you're struggling through tea and toast in bed, threesomes is not maybe the kind of thing you're expecting to hear coming out of the radio. But uh, this person then went uh, and got an injunction out. Uh, the appeal court judge have banned the sun on Sunday from telling you who it is, even though... Everybody seems to know. It's one of these worst-kept secret kind of things. And uh, this particular person is very worried that it's going to leak on the internet. Well, everybody else seems to have leaked onto the internet. I mean, the courts say that they are entitled to privacy. They rule that his right to cheat beats your right to know. Now, I came, I came up with this the other week. I came up with this the other week. I said, surely what somebody does in their private life is entirely up to them. But it's the image that this person portrays of a, of a happily, you know, happy kind of relationship. And they've got children as well. There are, there are children involved in this. So I suppose in an effort to sort of keep the children away from it, that's why. Um, so, I mean, it's a very interesting story. The Some think it's your right to know. I personally don't think it is. I must be a bit old-fashioned. I mean, I mean, one one side of me says, yes, I'd love to tell you who it is. And the other side of me is going, but surely this person's entitled to some sort of privacy. What, you know, what you do in your private life doesn't actually make any difference. doesn't affect this person's work. I don't think it would actually affect their standing at all. I don't think anybody would be sort of looking down on them. I just assume nowadays that everybody's sex mad. I mean, seriously, there was a whole programme on the television the other day, ironically, on the BBC. It, uh, and they, they were talking to a guy who had done a, a documentary, and it was about um, what people put on Twitter, what people put on Facebook. They're sexting from the age... Well, the youngest they found was eight. Eight years old. The average, they said, was between 11 and 18. I must be out on a limb, I think, on these things. I'm kind of... Mind you, nobody's ever asked for a naked picture of me. That's even more depressing, I think, than actually offering one to somebody. But anyway, we'll wait and see what happens with the three-in-a-bed celebs uh, net leak terror. The son have, have sort of gone for it. Um, and they, but, but they can't say anything. So I think... I might be wrong, but I think that's, that's, that's this person's private life, if that's what they, they choose to do. When it actually comes down to the drug thing, again, I'm kind of fence-sitting... You know, if this if this silly girl decides that she wants to do cocaine, that's her problem as far as I'm concerned. Just don't appear on television and don't give me the claptrap about, oh, I was in a very bad place, so I took drugs to make myself better. Because if I was in a very bad place, I wouldn't even know where to go to get drugs. I really, I'm assuming, walk into most London pubs, but that's just a guess. But it's, it's a case of, it's just a crutch for these people. And I'm thinking, when did you not think you were going to be found out? 
When did you not think that somebody somewhere was going to phone up the paper and go, have I got a story for you? And it's current. It's somebody on the television. That's how people make money nowadays. Tip-offs. Tip-offs. You know, I mean, I, I have been responsible myself about 35 years ago It were a, as, as a tip-off for a story about a celebrity couple. They were both single, but they were having a fling. And somebody had told me, and, uh, and I told a friend of mine who happened to work for a, a national paper. And, uh, and it, it went, as it turned out, they actually got married and all the rest of it. But at the time, nobody knew that they were actually having a, a secret relationship. But I don't think it's possible to have a secret relationship in this day and age. If you're in the public eye and the spotlight falls on you, then, you know, you're going to be out there. Somebody somewhere is going to sell you down the line. She's doing cocaine. Unless she's doing it all by herself, sitting in a, in a broom cupboard with the door locked and the light off. You know, everybody doesn't know about it. The moment you tell one person, that's it, it then gets out. I mean, the courts wouldn't let the, uh, the paper print there now. If they're both single, they'd be seen to be entitled to privacy. But yet you look at some people sort of actively seek, you know, the, the publicity. The picture on the Sunday People today is an old story. It's of a silly little show-off who works as a, as a trolley dolly, who apparently has spent, and I'd like to see the bills, please, £305,000 to look like Barbie's Ken. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't look like Barbie's Ken at all. He just looks ridiculous. He's, he's some poor little trolley dolly who, uh, who's put makeup on his face. And if you really want to, if you think you look like a plastic doll, well, then you're more deluded. It doesn't actually say in the paper which airline he works for. Proud Rodrigo, 32, and I want to look like Ken Barbie. I think actually more, he looks like maybe, well, he, yeah, I think he looks more like Barbie than he does like Ken. He says people come up to him want to take pictures of him. They can't believe how peculiar he looks. But because he's a show-off, and because it's some illness that he's obviously got, um... He then shows you all the little procedures. He's had a nose job and he's had, in fact, I think he's had four, five, six nose jobs. Everything. And um, he's had, um, he, uh, to create a, an eight pack, he spent £48,000. Uh, he's got two chest silicon implants, 24000 He's had air Im- hair implants. When you see him wearing clothes, he looks absolutely ludicrous. I've never seen He's had calf implants as well. I mean, it's just, what's the matter with these people? He says, I look uncannily similar to Barbie's boyfriend. You look like Barbie's lesbian girlfriend. You don't look like... I mean, why would you Why would you want to look like this? I mean, it is just... He doesn't even look... He, he looks neither male nor female. He looks like some, some freak out of a... You know, and here's an androgynous person. Do you think they allow him to wear makeup on the flights? It's very odd, isn't it? It's very odd. But he does look most peculiar. They say, and he, he said, people are fascinated by him. No, no, I'm not at all. I just feel immense sympathy for you. I feel very sorry for you. And an air steward who can fork out 305,000. They must be paying you something, darling. I mean, it must hurt to get these procedures done. But if you've been a trolley dolly, hurt doesn't even come into it. I'll just stretch up there. I put it in an overhead locker for you. OK. Oh, it's full on me. Oh, ow, ow. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, it doesn't look like he can open a packet of crisps, but there you go. It's, uh, well, I'm now losing the track of the time. 6.30, that's right. It's- Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Certainly is. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. 26 minutes to 7. 20, I know that there will be a few of you going, oh, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Uh, the clocks have gone forward, OK? We do it. It's just to confuse the entire country. Uh, so don't forget this evening, another opportunity to hear my in-conversation with uh, the very lively Mark Curry. 
and uh, and Boy George as well. Both really good interviews. In fact, little Julie uh, really enjoyed it, which I like to hear as well, uh, because I think it's I think it's just super. Actually, I think they're both super interviews. Katrina loved it. She had a brilliant interview, and um, and Jan says my only criticism was that the Boy George interview was too short. Fascinating listening to you both. Uh, Kyle says, first day of summertime and it's boat race day. Woo-wee! And Kat says, brilliant interview, really enjoyed it. So there's another opportunity to hear it this evening at nine o'clock on LBC. And uh, did the man go the whole way to look like Barbie's Ken by having his uh, tackle removed, says Phil? He just doesn't look like Barbie's Ken. He just looks a bit peculiar. And obviously, I mean, I do realise, because we did have the Bride of Wildenstein, didn't we? Where uh, she just kept having cosmetic surgery because she couldn't see how ghastly she looked. Um, this, this poor creature is obviously an attention seeker. To be honest with you, if he'd walked out of a Thai ladyboy show, I wouldn't be at all surprised. That's what he looks like. That's what he looks like. And, and I, sort of, I, sort of, I sort of worry, really, about people like this. I, I worry more about where he gets his money from. You know, £48,000, abs made from his own fat and skin to create a, a six-pack. Well, I mean, he's only about two foot tall anyway, and he's had hair implants. You'll, you'll see the picture on the front of the paper. He just looks like a very, very gay man with makeup on. And that's, there's no, he doesn't look at all, you know, if somebody had said he'd spent £305,000, I'd be saying, can you show us what he looked like before? Because somebody somewhere is having a bit of a laugh with him. Uh, what else do we have? We had tears. Ooh, we said the other day because uh, James Martin said a tearful farewell to fans on his last Saturday Kitchen show. He welled up as he thanked everybody. He's like that. He's a nice boy. And the BBC are going to get in a whole host of celebrities. Fine. Just don't put Greg Wallace on, OK? Just please, please. Anybody but Greg Wallace. That'd be lovely. And uh, what else do we have? Or Ainsley Harriet. Oh, yes, we don't want Ainsley Harriet. No, no, I think it's to do with sort of... I think they're looking for celebrities. I don't think Ainsley Harriet is a celebrity. I did find a funny bit in one of the papers. Which bit was it, actually? Was it The Sun? I, I, I do go through the papers, but I, I can't exactly remember uh, exactly where I see some. Oh, I forgot to mention that Louis Tomlinson, uh, you know, he's the one who got the girl pregnant but isn't with her. Uh, he has ruled himself out to become an X-Factor judge this series. Uh, of course, there was never any, I don't think there was ever any intention that they were going to give you the, uh, the job of, of judge. I mean, with, 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 what, with what talent? Jumping around on stage with a boy band. I don't think anybody's interested in that, are they, really? Very sweet of you to, to make a, a contribution, but uh, to be brutally honest with you, I think we'd, we'd rather somebody who's got a bit more experience of the, uh, of the business. Makes, makes, more, uh, makes more sense, doesn't it, really? Uh, apparently, he works for Virgin Airlines. Oh, right. I didn't know that, says Jamie. And um, who uh, they, they wouldn't include him in their catalogue to launch their new uniforms. There was a BBC programme about their new Vivian Westwood launch. He applied but got turned down. He does look like Chucky. Um, he just looks odd. It's just a very... And this is a picture. I mean, it's not even attractive. It's, and if you spent £305,000, I mean, you could have saved yourself about 304000 of that and spent £1,000 on bin liners and just pop yourself in one of those. That's not being rude. I'm just telling you what a dreadful waste of money. Dreadful waste of money. Uh, Billy Piper plans to remove her disgusting arm tattoo tribute to Lawrence Fox. Oh, here we go. Here we go. It's all going to kick off now, isn't it, in the Billy Piper? And then they'll be going, oh, we're, you know, we're sort of Team Billy and we're Team Lawrence and we're Team that. I met him. He's been on In Conversation. He's quite charming. I was always slightly disturbed about Billy Piper. I always thought she was slightly childlike. 
You know, a little bit, you know, not quite all there in the upstairs department. And it was all a bit needy. And now I have a feeling it's going to get more and more needy. Um, the BBC uh, Good Food magazine has been slammed for patronising readers after dropping imperial weights from recipes. So they've dropped pounds. They will only use kilos and grams and ditch pounds and ounces. Well, we haven't used pounds and ounces for years, have we? Didn't even know it was a BBC Food magazine, but there you go. And here she is. Papa Don't Teach. Yes, it's Madge out on the town. And uh, she's vowed to fly to London, Madonna, to make sure her son Rocco goes back to school. Oh, God, honestly, I mean, it really is. It's t- she's quite mad as a fruitcake, isn't she? I mean, really. It's now got obsessional. So she was out with her two children, Mercy and David. Um, I can't, David was adopted, wasn't he? But he does, he's not an orphan, he does actually have family. That's what I thought was slightly peculiar. But uh, she was taking her, her children, David Bander and Mercy James, to school in New York this week. They must be thrilled. This is our mother, the pop star, going out in... I don't know what she's wearing. Something, people just sit... They seem to fall off the edge a bit quicker nowadays, have you noticed? I'm not being rude. I just think that people have gone completely, completely mad. You know, some of the stories you read in the papers, I mean, I sit there... It's all I can do to stop myself from laughing out loud at them because they're, they're not normal, these people. I mean, there's a picture here of Abby Clancy. I mean, you know that she's about, she's about as big as a teapot. She's very tiny. And uh, she's at the Dubai World Cup. I mean, for what reason? I've got no idea. Do you think somebody says to her, oh, um, Abby Clancy's quite famous. They go, doing what? I don't know. Don't really know. Model? Something? I don't know. She certainly can't do catwalk stuff. She's not big enough. You should have to put her in the child section. TV presenter Anthea Turner. There's a couple of Anthea Turner stories today. Uh, she's fighting a, a legal action. Uh, Anthea's 55. Uh, she was aptly named by... Uh, by Eamon Holmes as Princess Tippy Toes, because she was a bit... And, and in fact, it's, it's quite evident in one of the papers for today. And I'm going to find it if it kills me. It might be in the mirror. And it's sort of... It's, it's what... Oh, here it is. My perfect Sunday. My perfect Sunday. And this is Anthea Turner. I love Sunday, goes Anthea. It's the time of the week. You actually feel not guilty doing absolutely nothing. I wasn't aware she actually did anything anyway. It's amazing to have a lazy day, read the papers, have a delicious lunch with a couple of glasses of wine and fall asleep in front of a movie. The sweetness of doing nothing is one of my favourite things. She's as mad as a toothbrush. (laughs) But as it's Easter this weekend, it'll be a little bit different to normal. I'm going to a friend's in the country where we're all going to cook a delicious big lunch. Uh, isn't it marvellous? In Princess Anthea Turner's world, we're going to have a delicious lunch, you scrummy little person, you. She says, I don't actually go to church, so I'll get to enjoy a lie-in, and then because there's a huge lunch... Oh, that'll be, what, two lettuce leaves and a radish. It's a huge lunch for Anthea, but it'll be delicious in my perfect little world. She said, I'll eat loads... I mean, how old is this one? <laughs> she says, and then I'll spend the rest of the day digesting like a snake who eats one massive meal at a time. She's quite mad, isn't she? Poor soul, honestly. And of course I'll have a few glasses of wine. It'll get you squiffy, won't it, dear? Oh, I can't believe it. But we're going to have a delicious lunch and then we'll probably have jelly and ice cream and there'll be a magician and we'll, and we'll all play party games and then we're going to go to bed and I'm going to wear my tiara uh, because I'm a princess. She says, I, I know everybody adores lint bunnies. Oh, dear, not one of your free plugs again, dear, is it? We had the trouble last time. You remember that trouble it got you into because you weren't the brightest penny in the box? Anyway, poor old Anthea uh, now is facing this... Uh, 
Does it, it's something to do with Grant Bovey. He was a bit of a, a bit of a waste of space, wasn't he? Mind you, I've never thought she was much cop anyway. She's very friendly with Richard and Judy. I'm not saying in that uh, in any way derogatory sort of uh, way because I quite like Judy. Uh, actually, I quite like Richard and Judy, but uh, it's the it's the daughter who is the awful one in the relationship. And so Princess Tippy Toes goes around there. It's just the way her, her whole life is just so perfect. You know, here's my newspaper. I'm just going to fold it in half and put a crease in it. I mean, you can imagine, can't you? I mean, it's, you know, whereas, in fact, really, there's probably a side to Anthea Turner when she wants to get in and rip her makeup off and take all her clothes off and go running naked through the garden. Nope, sorry, Fantasy Island again. I do beg your pardon. Uh, Daniel says, once again, you were right. Both interviews were great. I stopped what I was doing and just listened. The hour slipped away. It was really, really good, wasn't it? Mark Curry was very, very, very good. And Boy George was very, 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 very good. It was, it was really good. So if you haven't downloaded, you must download. And if you didn't hear them, well, then have a listen before you decide to download. It's on again this evening at nine o'clock on LBC. Uh, Colleen Rooney's on another holiday. Well, there's a surprise. What does Colleen do? The answer, she doesn't do anything at all. Anton Deck, uh, they think they could be signing a three-year deal because they made noises. Remember a short while ago, we did it on the programme last week, week before, uh, where they said, oh, you know, we, our contracts are coming up. We think we'll go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, right. And so ITV, who don't actually have anybody... Uh, decided that they would, you know, obviously sort of, you know, sign them up again. So I think there's about £30 million on the table, a three-year deal, so £10 million. Pounds, that'll be £5 million pounds each. Uh, which is not bad, is it? You know, per year, £5 million quid. And they do all their other uh, promotions, and they're called flogging it stuff, uh, because they obviously want the money. But, but I don't know what they do with it, because they don't go on flash holidays. They don't waste money on clothes. That comes as all part of the budget for the programme. So what do they spend their money on? Nothing. What are they, perhaps they're leaving it to the dogs home. I don't know. It's all very odd, isn't it? Uh, the Rolling Stones in their free concert in Cuba. Very popular. Very popular. And then there was a, a fire at the Good Morning Britain studios the other day. Apparently, it started, somebody said it started in a dressing room or something like that. And so everybody had to be evacuated. Ben Shepherd had to go outside, and then people could see just exactly how much like a Thunderbird's puppet he's looking away from the studio lights. And a bit of smoke came out the window upstairs, and so they all went out. And we got, a rep- and we got something else on. I can't remember what it was, because I wasn't watching it at the time quite clearly. I was more interested in what was going on on LBC. Uh, so who meets Chatty Man on a Saturday night? In an effort to take away from Anton Deck what they've had for donkey's years, they're thinking of teaming up Noel Edmonds and Alan Carr. Now, you see, all they need to do, all the BBC need to do, but they've taken no notice of me, is bring back Crinkly Bottom. That's all you need to do, bring back Crinkly Bottom. And by that, I don't mean Eamon Holmes. I'm thinking of bringing back somebody who knows how to put a programme together with lots of nice celebrities. Unfortunately, with Anton Deck, it's the sort of celebrities who are so cheap that you can't really be bothered with them, can you? You don't really care about them. But Noel's Crinkly Bottom, his house party was a brilliant programme. I'm not sure teaming Noel Edmonds up with Alan Carr is kind of what I want to see. But that's just uh, that's just my opinion. It's, it's like you know, I like Alan Carr. I think his show's fine. Sometimes he gets a lot out of people. I mean, you can't believe somebody is that camp, can you? Really? I mean, sometimes you must think to yourself, it is an act, isn't it? Nope, he's exactly like that. Exactly that. So whether it's going to work, I don't know. I'm not totally convinced that would work. Oh, the good news is, and I knew that uh, Take That fans were getting a teensy weensy bit worried. Robbie Williams is going to be touring with Take That for their anniversary. Of course he is. He hasn't got anything else to do. His diary is empty page. 
Nothing going on. Nothing going on in Robbie Williams' life. No recording. He's had to start doing cover versions now. It's all got a bit sad, so an effort to go out there. Last time he went out with Take That, he swore on stage. Very unnecessary. It'd be like turning on this programme and hearing me swear. You know, but, you know, you wouldn't expect it, would you? Because I'm sort of... You wouldn't. I'm such a clean living person. I don't swear, honestly. I did say the word bother once. <laughs> we used to, I remember at school, we <laughs> used to tell a joke. This was, and I've remembered it since I was ten years old. And, and the joke went, I don't drink, I don't swear, and I don't smoke. Bloody hell, I've left my pipe in the pub. And we used to tell that in hushed tones. I mean, seriously. And all these years later, I can still get away with it. Still get away with it. Like, like the gag I did the other day, which I'm glad you all picked up on, when somebody said to me, so, Steve, tell me, were you, were, you, were you really good in the bedroom department? I said, well, you know, in my day, I used to think I was uh, pretty hot. I said, until I discovered years later that all my partners were asthmatic. 13 to 7. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Hello, how are you this morning? Nice to have your company. And for all those people who forgot to put their clocks forward, no, 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 no. Somebody would have forgotten somewhere. Somebody maybe not too far away from me here this morning, ladies and gentlemen. And when I pointed out to them, I said, oh, we turned up early, did we? You know, trying to be all clever. He said, well, I certainly didn't turn up early to hear your show. And I thought, what a strange way to resign. Anyway, uh, on the programme still, more from the, the paper. It's all relationships. It's all relationship-based. Apparently, uh, Corrie stars Shane and his married lover, which is slightly odd. Uh, Shane Warne has bombarded a model with all sorts of strange things, which I'm not too, uh, too sure about. And hilarious story of the day, if uh, the delicious lunch that we're going to be cooking for everybody, and then we're all going to sit round with the pixies and the goblins and the fairies and have our lunch, and that's uh, Anthea Turner's perfect Sunday. It's just... And then perhaps we'll fold a towel together. I mean, perhaps she doesn't see the irony of it. But the other bad news is that uh, that Ryland Clark is writing his life story. Um, I don't really know. Who's going to be buying that? Who would be buying that? About three people. And also writing a life story. Do you not think maybe getting a grain of sand and putting, I was born, I died on air frequently. You know, if you managed to get somebody to write that on there, that would cover it. Don't need to write your life story. Nobody's interested. Unless you manage to get it serialised by sort of Bunty or sort of Playtime News or something like that. Uh, Murray Walker says he'll never quit. That's okay. He's 92. Believe you me, matey, the uh, question of whether you're going to be quitting will be taken out of your hands. Uh, The family of the knifed news agents, they say we fear will be next. Uh, It was a Muslim who committed the crime against another Muslim. Just in case anybody was thinking that it was a a hate crime against a Muslim person, it wasn't. Uh, Rovers return for Bet Lynch and Curly. Well, I want to see Curly back, but we don't want to see Bet Lynch, thank you. The last time she tried it, she was such a bundle of nerves, she only got as far as the first one. And then I think they just had to, you know, listen, it's easier if you sort of go away elsewhere. Uh, Troubled Daniela Westbrook. They always call her Troubled. Troubled means stupid yet sort of not savable, really. She's turned to a psychic to help her through her shallow existence. Yes, and she said, he knows so much about me. Unfortunately, Daniela, we all know so much about you. That's the problem. Your life is like a very bad, well-thumbed Reader's Digest in the doctor's waiting room, because we know everything about you. In fact, we know almost too much about you. So, you know, I'm also a psychic. Give up now. Give up now. She thinks she's going to go back to EastEnders full-time. I suspect not, actually. I hear to the contrary. Uh, what else? Oh, we had... Uh, oh, Harry Styles. 
You know, we're still waiting for somebody out of uh, out of the group to actually... Emer- not not the Zayn Malik side of it, because he doesn't know where he is half the time. Uh, he wants to know why they're not talking to him, because they don't like you. And the rest of them are just doing nothing. And that's why, the other day, Simon Cowell said he wasn't sure if, take that, we're going to get back together again, or if, uh, you know, it's it's finished. I think it's finished, personally. I don't think they'll ever get back together. Because the time they get back together, they're all going to be so old... It's, it's just not going to be worth it, is it? And all their fans have grown up. They'll then wander off to somebody else, which is what fans do. They're terribly fickle in this day and age. And we love you, we love it. Oh, well, let's find somebody else. And that's what they do. So I don't think they're going to do it. But I can tell you that Harry Styles is lined up for a musical movie with those real movie heavyweights, Cara Delevingne and Susan Boyle. Mad as a broomstick and a very androgynous-looking model. And that's it. What on earth Harry Styles will be doing? Uh, I've got no idea, but apparently it's going to be really big. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't hold up much hope for anybody, actually. Uh, How about, says Tom, Peter Andre and Robbie Williams touring together? Well, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Who'd actually go on stage first? Who would go on stage first? I don't know. I suppose, actually, it would have to be Peter Andre, because top of the bill would have to be Robbie Williams, because he's grossed more money, hasn't he? He's grossed more money. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, goggle boxes. Steph and Dom, they say we're not posh. I, I, really, I know who they are, but I, I can't watch Gogglebox or Googlebox or whatever it's called. I just can't, I can't get into it. I'm not remotely interested in a bunch of show-offs sitting on the television watching a DVD of a programme being filmed. Who cares? There's those two black ladies who are definitely playing up to the camera. There's the gay boys down in Brighton or something. A real embarrassment to everybody. Oh, I don't know. Can we watch that? Oh, I don't know. Should we do? Oh, I don't know, honestly. If ever there were two Marys sitting on a sofa covered in tattoos that made anybody look less than Butch, they'd be it. They'd be it. Then there's, then there's the couple who've got the daughter who's got every expletive known to man coming out of her mouth. Then you've got the family where they're all fat. I mean, the entire family, mother, I mean, she's, I mean, the size of a, of a small tropical island. And then you've got the father, then you've got the son. I mean, he's never going to find a girlfriend, is he? And then you've got all the, I mean, and I sit there watching this and I think, I'm not even entertained. And then you get Steph and Dom living in this house where they're drinking like, okay, you know, like wine. They just look like a pair of old soaks. <laughs> you know. And if people find that entertaining on the television, well, then great. But it's not for me. It's not for me, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm trying desperately to find something about it that is redeeming, but I can't. But then I did come up with something today. I was very excited. You know that if you become famous, people ask you to endorse things. So I think in various cases, if you're a chef, you get to endorse frying pans and saucepans and stuff like that, because they seriously believe that, you know, this is what you use in the kitchen if you're a big famous celebrity, which, of course, is not true half the time. It's just an endorsement. They get paid a huge amount of money. The more you buy, the more money they get. Or sometimes it's just a one-off fee. So I'm always interested in, in just how desperate some of these people will actually go. You know, can they reinvent the wheel? No, Jamie Oliver has gone one better. Today, in the Sunday Express, you can buy the Jamie Oliver cutlery and wine glasses for just £31.98. I'm so excited. Jamie Oliver, St. Jamie, as he's now known to everybody in the sugar industry, or let's get the fat bloke, uh, he's there with his own knives and forks. I mean, obviously designed by somebody who's used a knife and fork, although, you know, quite why it's is, is, uh, beyond me. And glasses. They're just ordinary glasses that presumably you pour booze into. But it's £31.98. Do people really go out and buy this stuff because it's endorsed? You see, I used to think years ago that if Terry Wogan advertised a certain spread on the television, he would use it. I was naive. I was naive. I didn't realise that he probably didn't use it. He just got paid a huge amount of money. 
I'd like to think that Amanda Holden sits there on a chaise lounge eating yoghurt. And I would like to believe that no likey, no lighty, is actually really interested in some of the dreary old baggages that they line up there. There's some poor bloke turned up on that Take Me Out gig programme. And and literally, he sort of, he, he did, what did he do? He did something. Lights went off like you've never seen it. It's like, whoosh! I mean, if that does, and then, of course, he went off and said, yeah, but it doesn't make any difference. They're all mingers. I thought, well, yeah, you are right in that department. But, you know, you went on a television programme. These people do set themselves up. I must get this cutler in wine glass off for just £31.98. I mean, how much money does he make out of that, do you think? I mean, some wine glasses and, and some cutlery. I'm trying to get excited, but it's not, uh, it's not happening. You notice that Boy George is very interested in star signs. And because uh, and, he's, he's Gemini and I'm, I'm Pisces. And I used to think that it meant something being Piscean. I suddenly realised it doesn't make any difference at all, actually. It doesn't make any difference what star sign you are because they all appear to be interchangeable, which is OK. Oh, talking of interchangeable, you're going to be sick. Oh, here's this offer. Save £88 when you buy both sets. It's Waves four-piece wine glasses set, £9.90, and the 20-piece cutlery set for £21. But what makes them Jamie Oliver's Waves cutlery and wine glass sets? They're just, oh, they're just endorsed by celebrity chef Jamie Oliver for a limited time only, while stock lasts. In other words, we've got a warehouse full of it. Would you like to buy some wine glasses and some knives and forks? I mean, you know, it's, I mean, people are desperate nowadays, aren't they? So it's endorsed by Jamie Oliver. How much are you getting out of that, Jamie, eh? How much are you getting out of it, mate? Is it the same that you're getting from the sugar companies? <laughs> Imagine. These poor sugar companies are going, don't, let him, don't tell him about milkshakes, for God's sake. We'll all be in for it, or fruit or anything like that. Don't tell him about Kentucky Fried Chicken or Burger King or all the other fast food places or kebabs. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. Let him sit there in his oblivion and, uh, and not know anything about it, because it's just falling, you know, on deaf ears at the moment. It's not going so well. Uh, talking of not going so well, Chris Evans and Matt LeBlanc. Pictured coming back from a road trip to Italy, like we care about this programme. Now I know how much it's costing. Quite clearly, we're all staying in top-class hotels with a film crew. They didn't say a word. They say the atmosphere is tense. Tense. It's a bit like this, this programme, isn't it? The atmosphere I have with sort of, you know, certain people in the building could be described as tense. You know? You know, I don't want to make a big deal about it because we like to give the impression that we're all happy, happy and, you know, go around clapping and, you know, just going buddy-buddy and going out for dinner with people and taking them out and showing them a good time. But in, in truth, behind the scenes, you know, I'm tying the producer up with throwing knives at his back. You know, it's as simple as that. I don't want to make some big deal that we're all sort of really chummy. Because people say, it must be nice, so nice to work with so many nice people. I said, where's that? And they go, you know, where you work. You know, you always sound very happy on the programme. I said, of course I am. I can't see them. That's why I've had lines built. There's like a curtain that runs across here. It's, 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 sort of, it's roughly the same as glaucoma on your eyes. It sort of just mists over and you can't see them anymore. So as far as I'm concerned, they look reasonably attractive. But to be honest with you, I couldn't care less either way. Anyway, we'll take the news at uh, 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock, depending on where you are in your mind at the moment. And uh, we'll have more the other side of that, including um, Shane and his married lover from Corrie. It's another one of those stories, I'm afraid. Only on LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC.
Morning, everybody. It's Sunday, the 27th of March. It's coming up three minutes past seven, so the clocks have gone forward. I know most of you seem to be forgetting this uh, in this day and age. Even people in the business seem to forget what it is. Uh, Trouble, Daniela Westbrook has turned to a psychic to help her through, well, basically nothing at all. Uh, Harry Styles lined up for that musical. Rovers returned for Bet Lynch and Curly. The voice star axed over a cocaine addiction. She's been in and out of rehab. And now she said, oh, don't worry, I'm back on track again. But they've obviously decided to part company. You can't have somebody on a television talent show who uh, disappears the night before it goes live, which is all very odd. And the racism watchdog, which pays white people more than black people. How can that be? James Martin gets close to tears on his uh, final show because he's done it for about ten years. And I suppose you would, actually. You would. Uh, Johan Cruyff organised his last moments. He told the doctors, apparently, go out and close the door. And uh, with his family next to him, he then died. So we'll tell you more on that a little bit later on. And the teachers who feed pupils who turn up hungry. I can't believe in this day and age that there is actually seriously something about pupils... I mean, pupils really turn up having not had anything to eat. I mean, how is that possible in this day and age? Because I'm assuming there must be things called benefits... And I'm assuming that a lot of these mothers smoke and drink, and there must be fathers, presumably they're getting there. And so they turn up and they don't have any food. They've not eaten any breakfast, a chocolate bar or whatever else. Well, who are all the blooming kids I keep seeing in Starbucks every morning? Literally, Starbucks, you can't move for school children who are buying, you know, drinks at three and a half quid a time. So who are the ones who are turning up hungry? I mean, is this parents just being bone idle? Uh, I mean, there is a very sad story in a paper, uh, one of the papers today, of a, of a girl who dies, a young girl, uh, and her sister has asked her friends to raise money for the funeral. And the, the only question I kept asking was, where are the parents? Where are the pa- We're too, too key to ask other people for help nowadays without actually looking on our own doorstep. So when you get, you know, pupils who turn up hungry... And then they go, I mean, I heard somebody talking earlier on about saying, oh, you know, kids, if they're not eating, can't concentrate. I've never heard of this in this day and age. I mean, do they not have, there must be something. Surely the parent must have some sort of money. There would be benefits that people are on. I just don't believe it. Or it's a case of, listen, I'm not going to give you anything. You you go and make sure that the school give you the money. Because I can't quite see the the benefit of it. So the kid gets up in the morning and then has to, to go off to school without actually eating Anything at all. I mean, that... Can't... Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Uh, 84850. Uh, Kelvin says, I have met the two black ladies from Peckham. I've seen them. They are as ghastly as they look on television. Oh, I have no idea that they look exactly the same <laughs> as they do on television. I just think that they're showing off for the cameras. I just think they're all... Sh- everybody, everybody on the programme is showing off for the cameras. There's nothing, there's nothing clever about people showing off, and they've, they've all tried to emerge as some sort of celebrity from it. It's a little bit like being on any television programme. You've got to have some sort of ego to appear on there in the first place, haven't you? You don't, you don't go on television unless you've got some ego. You don't go on quiz shows. Mind you, I've seen some dumb people on quiz shows recently. You know, it's dreadful. Richard says, thinking about Top Gear, how hard do you slap your producers if they don't bring your coffee on time? I've never, ever asked them to get me a cup of coffee. Once the, other, once the other week, actually. And that's only because I ran out of time at the beginning of the programme. And he had to... Don't do that again. He had to, uh, to bring it in. <laughs> and, um, and, and he had to put the milk in. And they always say the same thing. Is that enough milk? Is that like we're on a milk shortage or something? But no, I never expect them to do it. If anything, they get more from me than I do from them. M- much more from me. I mean, this morning, you know... 
the producer gets a little sandwich. And uh, what else do you get? I can't remember what else you got. Oh, that's right, in a couple of donuts. Oh, you're sharing. How unusual. Um, no, seriously, no, it's nice. He get I ate two, he ate the other two. And then, uh, and then the other producer, because he's, he's Antipodean, he's, um, he's sort of, he likes fresh fruit. So barring bring, bringing in a mango swamp or something like that, I sort of get him a little bit of, it uh, makes him, it's a bit, bit like home, County Donegal. And he, uh, he sort of comes in and uh, he gets a bit of melon. Or something like that. Somebody said to me, actually, a friend of mine I went out with yesterday uh, for lunch. I said, I always buy them. He said, why do you, I think he said, why do you do that? And I said, well, to be honest with you, it stops them moaning. I thought, at least if their mouth is full, they can't be talking. So that's always a good sign, isn't it? You know, you don't hear the, chow, 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 chow. They always do that thing for the programme. <laughs> My other producer, Will, used to say to me every morning, so what did you do yesterday? It's like a friend of mine, Anthony, he always says every day, what did you have for tea yesterday? I like that makes a difference. Why do pe- people have the most odd conversations, don't they? Uh, Barack Obama, full of uh, praise for our, uh, for our majesty at the age of 90. Not at all surprised, we're full of praise too. Unfortunately, the poor woman has got to suffer with a ghastly programme, which is going to be, it's nothing that you haven't heard before, except this time you'll get to see Prince Harry, Prince William, Andrew's two ghastly uh, daughters. Corella and the other one, and uh, all talking about Her Majesty and everything else. I'm totally of the opinion that once the Queen passes on, and I'm hoping it's not going to be in my lifetime, uh, that I think the thing will then go to pot. I don't think it'll be the same royal family at all. I think she's the she's holding it all together at the moment. They're they're behaving badly even around her. They become lazy, slovenly, you know, not the kind of thing you expect. I mean, the Queen does more, you know, um, appearances and more you know, going out talking to the public, than all of the young ones practically put together. They're bone idle. Bone idle. It's really not good enough. You know, if that's the way they, they treat an elderly relative, God help them when she passes on, because they'll probably go through this charade, but you just know that they're going to behave badly, don't you? As indeed they are at the moment. Uh, Julie says, yesterday, Janet and I took part in a Mind the Gap walking tour. It was a walk taking in some of London's oldest pubs, where not only did we learn of their history, but we had a drink in each one. Oh, lovely. <laughs> she said, we went to the cockpit, the old Bank of England, uh, the Princess Louise, the tip, the Tipperary, the old Cheshire cheese and the Blackfriars. Uh, needless to say, we did drinks lots. So big thanks to George, our guide, who was fantastic and very, very funny. Yes, we had um, a party in the Cheshire cheese, an LBC party years ago when we were based in Gough Square. And the Cheshire cheese is, is very old, very old. It's not changed since the days it were built, ladies. I don't know why I went into that accent. It's got nothing to do with London. But in fact, down in the cellar, is sort of, they've got all these old stuff, and that's where we had our party, and it was like traipsing back in time. It's actually one of the very few pubs where they have sawdust on the floor. And, uh, and that's not for, for sort of tourists. That's because that's what they, uh, they had. And it was, it's a great pub to go into. In fact, actually, today, being Sunday, would be good, because it's in the city of London. It's in Fleet Street on the left-hand side as you're going down to St Paul's. So, in fact, you could actually do a nice little walk today, you know, pr- provided you're not particularly bothered about the boat race. You could actually do a nice walk. You could come off the train at Waterloo or get to Waterloo. You can walk down. You can pass Somerset House, go and have a look at that which is quite nice, and then just sort of follow it down into Fleet Street, have a look at the, uh, the church there, the RAF church, left-hand side, the law courts, over on the, over on the other side, the Wigan Pen Club uh, used to be there, and it's a Thai restaurant now, always a little bit disappointing as far as I was concerned, because that's a very old building, you go down, the silver vaults are off on the, uh, the left, over on the right-hand side, you can go through a door, and you're transported back into Dickens. It's literally, it has not changed since Dickens' time. And it's all the, um, 
the offices for all the lawyers and the barristers and everybody like that. But you go through the door there. You can see it from the river better. You can walk up. It's lovely. A little bit further down Fleet Street, right-hand side, the Tipperary. Bouverie Street, which was where the sun was. And every Sunday, we'd have all the big rolls of paper being delivered. Left-hand side, the... Uh, the um, the, uh, the Cheshire Cheese, so you can go there, and you can go into Gough Square. The building that we were in isn't there anymore. It's been replaced by something else. But just next to us was Gunpowder Square. I'm only assuming named because they used to make gunpowder. Go down to the bottom. To the right, you can go down to the, uh, to the Blackfriars. And, uh, and then if you go straight on, well, in fact, actually, just up behind the Blackfriars is the Scientology place. Huge place. Uh, the Mermaid Theatre, where we've done a few shows on the right-hand side. The river there, which is quite nice. But come back up, indeed, and you can go and see the original gate, the original arch to the City of London, which is now next to St Paul's Cathedral. And so you can go and have a look in. If, even if there's a service going on, you can still go in. And they don't sort of close it for a service. And should you be minded, you can actually walk up the tower. But uh, the, the gate, which is on the left-hand side of the uh, the entrance to St Paul's Cathedral is amazing because at one time it would have had spikes on the top with the heads of traitors on it. It's only small, just goes to prove how many people used to pour through it every day. And then over the other side of the road, there's the Wobbly Bridge, which gets you to the other side, where Sir Christopher Wren lived. And he had a house. He bought a house everywhere where he was working. So it's quite a nice little walk, actually, that. To go into St Paul's Cathedral, it's not cheap. It's £18. £18. If you're a senior citizen... I wonder if I qualify for that. Oh, actually, look, concessions. God, embarrassing. Senior citizens are now 60-plus. Oh, well, I'll have to wait a few years for that one, won't I, ladies and gentlemen? And that means you save £2. I wonder how you'd prove to them. Oh, well, actually... Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, last ticket is issued at uh, 4pm, and the cathedral closes for sightseeing at 4.30. Most people... Oh, on Sunday, the cathedral's open for worship only. Oh, sorry about that. So, OK, taking that one out. But go and take some pictures outside. It's lovely. It's lovely. It's very good. And I've, I've been all the way up the wedding cake, right to the very top of it. Super. Really is lovely. Uh, a family ticket is 44 quid to go in. Uh, groups of 10, £39. It's very ever so expensive to go into a church, isn't it? Do you think the Almighty would be not very pleased about that? Actually having to pay to go into a house of God. And uh, and also, uh, you're not allowed to take large bags, rucksacks or large suitcases. because and, and you might think that's slightly odd to say that. But in fact, a lot of people who've been in London for the day check out the hotels and you see them walking around with their, uh, with their bags. <laughs> uh, once again, says Viv, you have reduced me to tears of helpless laughter. Uh, after your reading out of the article written by the subject matter of how Anthea Turner spends Sunday... I mean, how sick-making. I mean, she was never up to much anyway. I mean, it, to be honest with you, I just sort of... You know, it is, it's just a perfect world for Anthea Turner, isn't it? Small wonder uh, Eamon called her Princess Tippy Toes. It's, you know, where all my friends are going to have a delicious lunch, which we're all going to cook together. It's just going to be scrummy. I mean, you get the feeling she's living in some sort of pantomime. In her case, definitely a pantomime. But uh, Madonna is not thinking of Rocco when she drags him through the court. She's concentrating on herself as usual. Well, I mean, I, I have to agree with you, Viv. I think that what she's done is she's alienated her son. If he didn't like her before, which quite clearly he wasn't over enamoured, he doesn't... Uh, because I think it must be very difficult. If your mother's very famous, it's like the Queen, isn't it? You know, that, that's why Charles is the way he is and Princess Anne, because when they were, when they were growing up as little children, the, the Queen didn't have much contact. They were with nannies all the time. And so it's only now, if you notice, the Queen spends more time with Princess Anne, because this is probably the first time in all these years they've actually had a chance to talk. 
Very worried. Quite agree. Don't want Julie Goodyear or Bet Lynch back in Corrie. The only soap I uh, watch. But uh, Curly coming back is fine. Curly is, you know, is uh, I mean, definitely. I like him. I think he'd be uh, very good. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, we did go to the cellar. And we had a drink, says Julie, in the Cheshire Cheese. <gasps> Happy memories. Happy memories. No, F- Fleet Street's lovely. Fleet Street's lovely. It's uh, it's worth wandering down there. In fact, actually, just wandering along the river is lovely. Find a pub and, and don't have to have a drink. Have a cup of coffee. That'll be that'll go just as well, just as well. So you don't have to drink alcohol. Please don't drink alcohol all the time. Um, eight four eight five zero. Steve at LBC dot co dot UK. Quarter past. Steve Allen on LBC. Join me, Ian Collins, as we discuss the issues gripping Europe. Tonight, 10pm on LBC. 7.20, that's this evening on LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Sunday, the 27th of March. I thought, actually, because towards the end of yesterday, the weather turned a little bit. And I thought, oh, here we go. Because I was coming into town. I thought, I'm going to drive home. The car's going to be buffeted. And actually, it wasn't too bad. There was a little bit. Of, I got a little bit wet. But uh, but not, not too bad at all. And um, Friday was glorious. Friday was absolutely wonderful. I mean, it was a really, really nice day. Uh, as there is a story running in all the papers about The Voice thrown into chaos. It's always you couldn't make it up, could you? Just as it moves to ITV, they've got a disaster with a coke-taking contestant and somebody who who sort of withdrew uh, because of health problems. But last year's voice winner... I bet you can't tell me who the last year's... without checking it. Can you remember who last year's voice winner was? Because, to be honest with you, I've never even heard of him. And he won the voice last year. Go on, try, try. No. His name's... All right, if I give you his first name. Stevie. See? Nobody knows. Stevie McCrory was last year's The Voice winner. Well, I'm so sorry, Stevie, but nobody knows who you are. The BBC, he claims, have failed to support him. He returned to perform his single, My Heart Never Lies, on last night's show, but Stevie feels bosses should have done more to promote his solo career. He's 31, he said, I think it's a bit of a letdown. Actually, I saw a really good guy singing... On the television. What was it? I don't know who he was, actually. I was, uh, it was one of these uh, Simon Cowell things. And this bloke had the best voice I've heard in ages. But anyway, uh, he says they should celebrate the previous winner. They don't make a big deal of the winner and nobody is truly getting behind us, which is a shame. So he's now considering going back to his job in the, in the fire service. I wonder if that's him. He does look a little bit similar, but perhaps it shouldn't be. But um, it's, it's interesting. But nobody gets behind them. So what's the point of the programme? The answer is there is no point. There is no point. The only person who's who's had the the renaissance and the re, the, the the reinterest in his career is Boy George, because you know he's he knows exactly what he's talking about. He's been in the, listen. If anybody can tell you the highs and lows of a career, he can tell you the highs and lows of a career. It's as simple as that. Actually, he also claims that he owes his thirty year, year career to Noel Edmonds. I'm not going to tell you how. You'll have to find out that one. For yourself a little bit later on. Host of classic Corrie characters set to make a shock return. New boss. Kate Oates is plotting to bring in old favourites to get the soap back on track. So it could be Thelma Barlow as maybe... Oh, I don't really know, Rita. I used to like Thelma Barlow. I always thought she was mad as... They should never have let her go. Unfortunately, what these people don't realise when they put the soaps together... I understand how, you know, you have to keep churning it around every so often. But when you get old, established characters, that's what the public in this country like. That's what people want. The majority of people watching these television programmes are over the age of 40. They want to see the old characters. I'm not necessarily saying that bringing back Bette Lynch, 
you know, is, is going to be the best thing. But she can get over her nerves, and that's what I think she suffered from last time. Curly Watts could definitely come back here. Why not? Why not? There's loads of them. And Thelma Barlow, I can think of tons of other people who could go back into the, uh, into the programme. I mean, they say they've all been in mourning since uh, Tony Warren died uh, earlier this month at the age of 76. But, you know, don't change it if, it, if it's not broken. Just for the sake of change, it, it upsets the apple cart. And the public don't like it. The public are very quick to go, well, I'm sorry, we're not, we're not coming back to it. So maybe this woman, Kate, is the one to sort of to, to save it. Although it's consistently up there in the top, isn't it? it? It very rarely falls off anywhere else. And we come to like it. We want to see Thelma Barlow back. I want to see Curly Watts back. I don't need sort of, you know, just somebody going, oh, you didn't you used to live here, you Curly Watts? And just do it like that. And Mavis turns up in the shop and Rita goes, well, if it said a rude word then. <laughs> oh, blow me down, Mavis. And she goes, oh, Rita, I don't really know. We all go, it'd be fantastic. Why not? She could go back behind the counter with her. She could do occasional things. She could help out in the cafe. Come on. Come on, at least think out of the box. You know, you don't have to take everything I say on board, but, I mean, it would be quite nice to think. Because remember I, I mentioned to you about one half of Anton Deck who spends a lot of time hung out of his mouth. He stopped doing it. He stopped doing it. You don't see it as much now. You don't see it as much. Uh, Wayne, the trolley dolly, Actually, you must see the front pages of the... Which paper was it? Was it the... Uh, it was the People. You must have a look, Wayne, at the front page of the People. A trolley dolly who thinks he looks like uh, Ken out of Barbie and Ken. He looks a bit more like he's the compare in the uh, the Thai Ladyboy show, or he looks more like Barbie, I'm afraid. But anyway, uh, Wayne says, Forgot my alarm was set for LBC to switch on, so your dulcet tones woke me this morning talking about St Paul's. Perfect way to wake up. I remember going there... Uh, at school and being fascinated by the Whispering Gallery. Do you know, that is the only thing out of the entire thing at St Paul's Cathedral. They say, if you whisper into this side of the wall, somebody the other side can hear you. Well, blow me down, they couldn't hear anything. Couldn't hear anything, but I did walk all the way to the top. And Ron says, the Silver Vaults is the top of Chancery Lane. Yes, I've got some silver from there. My parents bought uh, for my 21st birthday. Not only did I get to go and see a West End show and have a meal out, a luxury in itself, but uh, I did actually get a piece of silver, two bits of silver. Uh, the National uh, Welfare Trust today have an event for children. Uh, and this is according to, uh, to Joan. She said they can hunt Easter eggs, look for the giant Easter bunny. Hop it. What do you mean look for him? If he's a giant Easter bunny, they're not going to miss him, are they, unless he falls on top of them. And cuddle real rabbits and a guinea pig. There's also a little talk on how to look after your bunny. And a quiz. It's on the A41, three miles north of Edgware, just before you get to Costco. <laughs> a lovely... Nice idea. Costco. I'm not even sure if Costco's open today. Is Costco open today? I don't need to go to it. I'm, I'm, I'm fine, actually. And uh, you mentioned the other day Pat Butcher's coming back to EastEnders. She was killed off, says when, Wendy. I explained Wendy. She's coming back as a, a, as a shadowy figure. She's overseeing the future. It's in a dream. Pat comes up. You all right? You all right, darling? She was a good interview. She was a very good interview for In Conversation. I only say that because she was a very, very good interview for In Conversation. Neil, now I wonder where he's going today. I know. He says, Lorraine and I are off out early to get, uh, to get started uh, at the Brentwood Antiques Fair. Lorraine made her little Easter tree. And he said, wait a minute, let's have a look at a picture of an Easter tree. Have a look at an Easter... Oh, what a bunny. A little picture of bunny rabbits. Aren't they cute? Do you know, something about bunny rabbits that's quite cute. And little chicks are quite cute as well. Until they grow up to be chickens. So I'm not, I'm not wild about them. Oh, it's a nice little Easter tree, isn't it? I quite like that. That's, that's very sort of Christmassy. But very sort of earthy, as they say. And uh, 
Costco shut, is it? Oh, there's another avenue of pleasure denied us. Where can we go, ladies and gentlemen? You can go and watch the boat race. Go and watch the boat race. Great day out at the Van Hagues with my dad and Olive. Glorious. Ended up sitting here in our sunny garden. It was wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, no, is the answer, Neil. No, everybody's now going, what was I talking about? Uh, no. Well, as far as I know, no at the moment. Might, might change, though. Uh, funeral costs, says Jackie, can destroy people. My brother and his wife both have serious health issues and can't work. Her brother died last year, left nothing as he suffered from schizophrenia. They got the lowest price funeral they could, and after claiming every single grant, charity support, they managed to get uh, £700 plus the cremation costs. Funeral, no cars, no flowers, no embalming, and uh, asking friends to carry him. Uh, 2,994 quid. Well, you can actually get cheaper than that. I know you can get cheaper than that. But it's, uh, you know, people... That's why they, they put these adverts up on the television, you know, worried about, you know, funeral... Co- Don't worry about it. Let somebody else pay for it. Listen, you're a long time dead. Why would you worry? I spoke to a lady yesterday in Joe Allen's. I was sitting there, and this man walked past our... Te- Jordan and I were sitting there. Not that Jordan. Uh, just in case you thought maybe we'd sort of healed a rift. No, there was never a rift, actually. It's just that I wouldn't certainly be sitting in Joe Allen's with her. But uh, I, re- I had liver and bacon yesterday. And you know me and liver and bacon. I like it. And crispy chicken with peanut sauce. Anyway, that's another story. And, um, and this man walked past me. And, and as he, he sort of turned around the corner, he, he turned around to look at somebody and he stuck his thumb up. Now, that always indicates to me that somebody's either spotted me because I don't think I look anything like my pictures. I think my pictures are terrible. But anyway, obviously people think not. And, uh, and then later, a lady came down. Her name's Annie. And uh, she said, you are Steve Allen, aren't you? And I said, yes. I said, was that your husband who was there who did the thumbs up? And uh, we had a little chat. And they'd been in there. And uh, they lived... Oh, where did they... I can't remember where they were living now. I thought, because she's, she was Glaswegian, or she's got a Scottish accent. Sorry, Glaswegian, Annie, I'm so sorry. But um, I they were going back up to Scotland for the day. And uh, I think I forget where she said they lived in London. Whatever it was, anyway, they had a nice time. Because most it was so busy in London yesterday. It was so, so busy. But we were talking about the explosions, and we were talking about the fact that they're going off to New York, and she's OK with flying, but he's not... He's not wild about it. And I said, listen, there's nothing, nothing you can do about it. If something's going to happen, something's going to happen. There's nothing that anybody can do. You just have to, we just go through with it. We just go through. Nothing should make us, you know, nothing stopped me coming into town yesterday. Nothing would ever stop me coming into town. And I think we should all adopt the same attitude. Let's not look backwards. Let's try and look forwards. Let's hope, you know, that the security services and the security forces are uh, are worth the money that they're being paid and they can find people. The one that they caught in in Brussels, singing like a canary, they're arresting left, right and centre at the moment. So for that, we should be very, very grateful. But uh, he's what? Is he hushed up now? Well, I think he must have told them enough to keep them going for years. But interesting, very interesting. Phil Vickery's up this morning. Good morning, Phil. And um, liver and bacon, he said. Love it. Do you know what I have to ask for whenever I go to Joe Allen's and I get liver and bacon? I said, cremated. They don't like cooking it like that. But my mother used to do it, so it was crispy around the edges. And uh, I, don't, I don't like it if it's too pale. It's got to be fairly dark. But uh, it turned out to be uh, actually very nice. So I was a very happy bunny. Uh, LBC News Time, 7.30. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 8. It's the 27th of March, so it's... Um, it's boat race day, and that's about as excited as I'm going to get about it. I'm terribly sorry. Money probably on Cambridge. You know, if you want a little flutter, Cambridge would be the uh, the place to go, I think. Uh, what else we got in the papers today? Very quickly, let's whiz through the uh, the showbiz stories. Saucy Charlotte Crosby. Who is she? 
Oh, she's one of those uh, those bimbo types. And she's made a come-and-get-me plea to I'm a Celebrity Producers. Nothing worse than somebody desperate. And, of course, Charlotte Crosby... <laughs> and a little drinky-poos. Uh, obviously decided that she wants to head into the jungle. Um, she said, it would be quite funny. Now, we're bored with you already, love. I'm ever so sorry. I don't want to kind of burst your little bubble. But coming from Newcastle, you start with a handicap. And, uh, secondly, we're bored with you. And so why would we want to see you on another reality show? The producers would have to be idiots. Have to be idiots. Uh, talking of idiots, Ryland Clark. What an embarrassment, really. I mean, really not going great. Says, writing his life story left him in tears. Seeing you on the television makes me in tears. But anyway, he said, there is heartache in there. I wish Nobody's interested. Why would you assume anybody would be remotely interested in a Z-list nobody? He says, anyway, I've, I've not looked back at what I've gone through over the past three years. Gone, who cares? Who cares, for goodness sake? A couple of times I was in tears writing it. There was something that happened during x Factor I got very upset about. And it was also hard writing about when my nan passed away because she was like my second mum. He's thought about... I mean, really. I mean, it's like, you know... Sorry, have you got anybody who's died? Great. Use that. That'll go in the book. OK. Did something happen during the x Factor? Yeah. Did you get upset about it? Yeah. Let's put that in there. That'll be a tea. Like, anybody cares? Why do these stupid people think we care? I don't know. Uh, what have we got now? Not too sure about the cremated bit, says Phil on the... I know, I can't... My mother used to do it. She fried it in a frying pan, and the edges did go a little bit crispy, and so consequently, I do like liver... In fact, I'd said the other day, I wasn't even sure if it was on the menu, but I, I do like liver and bacon with mash. And so he's now sent me a, a little picture, I think. Crispy bacon and banana on English muffin. Can we do with that? We could, we could do that. Uh, I don't fat, I'm not sure about English muffin. I do like banana, though. Crispy bacon and banana. Would I be having crispy bacon? The more I think about it, actually, I'll tell you what I do like. And you, you don't find it often enough. Well, in fact, you hardly find it at all. And that's banana ice cream. I had it in a gastro pub, Phil, and it was absolutely delicious. There's something about sort of bananas whipped up with cream and then frozen. And, uh, and I always fancy that because I, I don't know. But I'm, somebody said you're not supposed to eat too many bananas. So uh, I don't. I might have sort of one or two in a month. That's about as far as it goes. But uh, I, like, I do like the idea of banana ice cream or banana, in, banana custard as a kid. Oh, God. How excited were we? Banana sliced up in custard. And also, if you used to go to the Wimpy Bar, they used to do a banana... Uh, I can't remember, it wasn't banana, that was Coke Float, uh, Knickerbocker Glory and Banana Something, where they'd sort of slice a banana in half, put it either side of this sort of long boat type thing with squirty cream in the middle and fruits. It was delicious. Something, isn't it funny, something as simple as a banana can get you going. You know, sort of desserts. Or a jam donut. You eat the jam donut. Look at you not worrying about your weight. <laughs> Look at that. Isn't that amazing, actually? It's good. No, it's nice. It's nice. Seriously. Be good for you. Yeah, and the kids are learning to share next door now. Isn't that nice? They're now friends. They bonded. They bonded over a... <laughs> over a donut. They're quite nice, though, donuts, aren't they? Although I suddenly realised when I ate one this morning, I heard it go like that, and I thought, oh, dear, poor, poor donut. And it turns out I'd squirted half the jam onto the floor under my desk. So, as it's James O'Brien's desk, I just rubbed it in with my foot. Blame it on him. <laughs> banana split, that's what it was called, because they split the banana down the middle. Do you like that? I used to do, um, I used to do a, a magic trick with a banana. <laughs> You'll laugh. And, uh, seriously, and somebody would say, you say to somebody, give me a number between three and five, for example. And, oh, here we go again. And, um, yeah, you say, give me, a, give me a number between three and five. 
and then you take a banana out of the bowl, you peel back the uh, the skin, and the banana. If, if they said three, the banana would be in three pieces. You just sort of empty it in three pieces. And I used to do that quite a lot, actually. I used to have great fun. In fact, you can have a banana split today. You don't, but nobody does banana ice cream, do they? Why does nobody make a commercial banana ice cream? Down the down in Twickenham, the man who's got the ice cream van does banana lollies. And I'm sure I saw in a garden centre, Adrian Noble, down the road from me. I'm sure I was out with Lynn. We were looking for an umbrella or something. And I went in there and they had, I'm sure it said banana lollies. I might have to go back this afternoon and have a quick look, actually. Because I'm, I'm partial to banana lollies. I'm sure they're not much good for you. But there's, some, there's something about a creamy banana lolly. Interesting, isn't it? The funny thing. But nobody makes a commercial banana ice cream. They should do, but a banana split is lovely. I shall make my own ice cream. Get me, says Phil. Get you. I bet you've got, you've got one of those machines. Because you can buy a machine, you have to freeze half of it, and, and then, then you put it in the freezer, and it's sort of, or you've got one where it churns it, and it's got a, f- a refrigeration unit. What's that? Satisfy my bowl. Banana ice cream. Yes, it's got caramel cookies and chocolate peace sign. This is Ben and Jerry's. Satisfy my bowl ice cream. You've got, oh, you're right, you've, you've, got the, uh, you've got the posh thing. So, satisfy my bowl. See, banana ice cream with. I don't want banana ice cream with. I just want banana ice cream. I'll tell you what I had a craving for the other day, but I, they are absolutely verboten for me. Jelly babies. Jelly baby. Absolutely. It is the biggest hit of sugar I could ever had. It drives me mad. I, I mean, it was bad enough having a donut this morning. but uh, And that did, for a brief moment, for about, about ten seconds, I thought, oh, God, maybe shouldn't have had this. I toyed with the idea of having an injection, but you can't do that every single time you have a bit of ice cream. Uh, Philip says, coconut ice cream is the best. Had it in Malaysia with black cherries and kirsch. Oh, lovely. I don't know whether Phil's ever done this thing. A friend of mine used to make every year, it, we called it um, a rum top, I think. And what it is, it's a, it's a, a jar, like an earthenware jar, uh, standing about two foot tall, something like that. And you put in a load of fruit, whatever you've got. You know, whatever you can find, if you know, if you can go down to the local greengrocers and they've got peaches, which are sort of, you know, stupid yet savable, and you slice them up and you put them in the bottom of this thing and you top it up with rum, dark rum. There you go. Rum, rum, kruker. That's right. This is very, they say it's from Germany and Denmark. And all you do is you put fruit, they are rum, rum pot. And you see, now, I don't think that you should put the sugar in there. And what you do is you you put fruit in and then you top up with rum. And then the fruit absorbs the the rum. And then you just top up with more things. There are some fruits that aren't suitable, but you put mainly all sorts of things in there. And you keep going until it builds up to the top. And it's just basically alcoholic fruit. And you have it with sort of ice cream or with baked apples. Do you remember baked apples? Nobody does baked apples anymore. My mother used to get an apple, a very che- a cheap sort of thing, and, and she'd bake it, hollow out the middle, and then put in raisins and stuff like that. But this, this rum top, is, and a friend of mine did it one year, and we had it with a barbecue party or something, and we had it with ice cream. My God, it was delicious. I mean, my, it was really delicious. You could probably have it with waffles as well, but uh, it, it is lovely. I mean, it's, it, was, it was such a simple thing. And you just leave it. Like in the early days. God, it makes me sound ancient, doesn't it? But in the early days, we'd, we used to pre-plan Christmas. My mother would pick the apples from the tree, wrap them in brown paper, and she'd put them in the larder. We didn't have a fridge. I don't, when we lived in Yorkshire, I do not remember anywhere there being a fridge. 
Not even sure we had a running toilet. But uh, we, d- we definitely... and we, No, we didn't have a bathroom. I just remember, there was an outside loo, but we didn't have a... We didn't have a bathroom. We had a tin bath. Friday night, we're sitting in the tin bath where your mother poured hot water into it. And then you'd take it back out and hang it on the wall again. God, it seems like the Dark Ages, doesn't it? But uh, it, 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 was, it was within my lifetime, I promise you. But the, but the rum top thing was wonderful. You'd wrap up the, uh, the apples and, uh, and, and, and it would be wonderful. You'd have all sorts of stuff all, all sort of ready. And the turkey would actually come from the farm. Uh, you need to find somewhere that sells Rossi ice cream of South End, says Martin. They do banana flavour. You see, why don't they... I mean, they should sell... This is, this is commercially... They should be commercially available. Everybody will tell you that it's, it's absolutely wonderful, banana ice cream. I mean, you should do that. They should do banana ice cream in, like, one of those Mr Whippy things where they pull the handle down and you go... <laughs> which I loved. Uh, bringing back memories, says Robert in Glasgow. I used to work at the Ye Old Cheshire Cheese off Fleet Street. Back in the 60s, early 70s, they were some of the happiest memories I have, so thank you for that. Lovely place, wasn't it? Absolutely lovely place. Really, really nice. And uh, another one here, very quickly. I'll try and get as many of these in as we can. Uh, before, Oh, it's the National Animal Welfare Trust, says Joan. That was their, uh, doing their Easter egg things. Banana bread and melted chocolate drizzle, says Trey. Ooh, banana bread and melted chocolate drizzle. Somebody says, uh, and I think it must be sent to Stig Abel, can you prove God didn't create the universe? Um, I think so, yes. I believe so. <laughs> I believe that people can prove that. No mention of dinosaurs in the Bible, I notice. The Big Bang Theory will be fairly sort of popular. Uh, banana ice cream, uh, only one place, says Dave. Rossi and Barkingside in Hobart Road, behind Costa Coffee. See, Lynn in the kiosk in Clacton says, I saw banana ice cream. <laughs> Rossi selling tubs in the co-op in Essex, says Chris. Thank you, you're all, you're all very good, very, very good. And uh, somebody says, I love fried onions with my crispy liver, bacon, mash and gravy. Ooh, sounds quite nice, doesn't it? I could eat, yeah, that's about the only thing I could eat now. Banana and maple syrup from Lidl, says M. Banana and maple syrup. You see, I don't, I don't actually worry about uh, bananas, but I would worry about maple syrup. Somebody says, if Ryland's on the Z list, you must be on the triple Z list. This is some poor creature in Liverpool, obviously on benefits, and um, and sort of writing to me for some reason, which is very, very worrying. So uh, there we go. To people in Liverpool, if you're sad and a little bit stupid, we have to, we have to send you back, you know, to where you came from. And uh, do you know that there's a red bus that goes around the London la- landmarks without using a tour bus, says Jenny in Edgware? Um, I do quite like that, actually. I, I do quite like the idea of, uh, of going on a, on a tour bus. I think tour buses are fantastic. Uh, time check for you. I know you worry about this kind of thing. And, uh, and then we'll sort of wrap up with the newspapers and your texts and emails. It's quarter to eight. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Coming up at uh, 8 o'clock this morning, just after news, Stig Abel will... I've just realised I've, I've taken my glasses off. I wonder why everything looked a bit blurred. I'm so sorry. I can see... Oh, that's better. Stig Abel will be here on 8, at 8, with Sunday breakfast for, uh, for the bank holiday. It's not a bank holiday today, though, is it? It's just, it's just Easter Sunday. Because I got confused yesterday thinking, oh, Easter Saturday. Is that a bank holiday? No, it's not a bank holiday. So I had to pay for the... Uh, to park the car. Felt a bit miffed about. Anyway, after nine, he's going to be talking about our foreign aid budget. This, if, if you know nothing about it, you need to listen to this part of the programme. I was going to go through it this morning, but it's so complicated, it takes a better educated person than I to explain it to you. The money that we send to foreign countries, in one, 
country, we sent 92 million. 8 million was spent building a palace for the, for the dictator who runs the country. Why have we just not ceased this foreign aid? Anyway, the Mail on Sunday has a list of how 12 billion quid is being wasted. 90 million to a Somali radio station. 37,000 to teach North Korean people English. So would you scrap it or just spend it better? And before that, happy Easter, yet in a world shaped by wars of religion and at the moment being torn apart by loony Islamism. Isn't it time to say we're too smart to believe in misery-causing magic? Could you really be rational and religious? That's all on Sunday Breakfast with Stig Abel coming up in about uh, 15 minutes' time here on LBC. It is a bit listen, but you must really listen to the thing about the foreign aid budget because the mail... On Sunday, are asking people to, to sign a thing to say, we don't need to send any more aid to foreign... What for? Some of these countries are so hugely rich. They've got their own space programmes, and yet we send money. Shouldn't they be sending money to us? I begin to feel that we're a bit like a third world country. Uh, Mark in Brentwood says, actually, uh, I'm talking of Brentwood. There is an ice cream parlour in Brentwood that I went to uh, because we were sitting there and the bloke came over. Do you remember? And he said, Are you Steve Allen? We were all sitting there. There was me and my godchildren. We all had an ice cream. We were in one of those days. A lovely ice cream parlour. But at the Brentwood Theatre, they serve Rossi ice cream. Come and see a show and I'll get banana in just for you, says Mark. He says, we've got loads of shows, including Steve Brookstein and jazz singer Jordan Marsh. Or perhaps Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> you have never seen Romeo and Juliet. Isn't that funny? You would think I would have done after all these years in the business, but never seen it. Uh, there's an amazing ice cream parlour in Clapham Common called Naduli. Worth a visit, says Mina. And uh, Peter says, surely 2016 years ago, there must have been dinosaur bones lying elsewhere, uh, everywhere. Well, there were. And in fact, in, uh, in Trafalgar Square, there were um, rhinoceroses stretching across there. And because it was all flooded, they found little uh, teeth from dinosaurs. They've got them in a few, few museums. You can go and pick them up. Uh, Peach Melba, says Adrian. Peach Melba. Was that named after Dame Nelly Melba, I think? Fresh peaches. Oh, I, love, I tell you what, I do love tinned peaches. Tin or tinned apricots. God, honestly, what a dreadful... Small wonder my insides are the way they are. Ice cream and fresh raspberries. Ooh, lovely. With, with, with a, skirt, a squirt of cream, I think, which is nice. Uh, Jill says Tesco do banana ice cream. Do they? I might have to check that today. And uh, Mo says, I still do baked apples and I love ginger ice cream. Oh. When I was a kid, says Trev, Walls used to do an ice lolly called Whiz. It was creamy banana on the outside with Sharp's toffee in the middle. Oh, only sixpence. He said, that's right, a tanner. Two and a half pence, wasn't it? Sixpence. Two and a half pence. I like that, actually. And then um, another one here says, what's your issue with people from Newcastle? Well, you know what they're like. Way a, way a, way a. Is that Newcastle or is that somewhere else? I don't care, actually. It's uh, the majority of fools running our country from London. Uh, look how that's working out. Well, you know, it's, it's, Newca- it's, the, it's the north-south divide. As far as I'm concerned, there is a wall. We should have kept it. You know, it was it was an awful lot easier when sort of, you know, there was that old Victoria Wood joke from years ago. She had um, um, so-and-so people up north. It must be awful for you. <laughs> and she meant it. And she meant it. Talking about how dreadful it was up north. It is. It's, it's grim up north, as they say. Uh, the Victorian confectioners called Jelly Babies abandoned children when they first uh, created them. Information from a programme on the television. I'm not sure about this banana bread and melted chocolate drizzle. 
Tracy. I hadn't, I hadn't heard of it. I, I really hadn't heard of banana bread. But I like the idea of Rossi's ice cream coming in banana flavour. That sounds very exciting. I, I like that idea. I'm, I'm going to campaign to make sure that we, everybody can get banana ice cream just about everywhere. And uh, here we go. June says, peel and chop banana and freeze. When you fancy banana ice cream, throw some frozen chunks in a blender, blitz and eat. Very creamy, only ingredient banana. Diabetic friendly. Yeah, you're not supposed to have too much, I know, in, in, in bananas. I know that. Uh, it was a banana longboat, says Jill, who's in Spain, from the Wimpy Bar. Banana split in two, fruit salad and two scoops of ice cream with, I think, strawberry sauce. Honestly, his kids won't be easily be... Would you like crushed nuts? What a, what a, um, yes, yes we'll, have, we'll have strawberry sauce or chocolate sauce or a combination of the both. And if you're very lucky, they did another one, which was like a toffee sauce. I used to love a toffee, so- toffee sauce. Uh, very much enjoying your Sunday show, says Maddie and Carolyn. We have 14 people coming for an Easter buffet today. It's not Anthea Turner, is it? Oh, we're all going to be cooking a delicious lunch. It's going to be, then we're probably going to fold some towels and, and put on our fairy dresses and, and sort of dance around in the garden or perhaps get a maypole. <laughs> uh, another one here, uh, Tricia. Says, my mum used to make delicious bana- oh, banana fritters. Oh, don't tell me about banana fritters. If ever I have an urge, and I do get urges every so often, I go to the, uh, the Chinese takeaway and I get toffee banana. And that's delicious. That is really delicious. And she says, but quite easy, just mash ripe bananas, mix with an egg, some flour and sugar, fry in a little oil uh, in dollops with a spoon till golden brown and then sprinkle with sugar. Quite yummy. It sounds delicious. Absolutely sounds delicious. But I, I do like the, the Chinese. They do toffee apple and toffee banana. See, it's making my mouth water now. Perhaps I'll have to have that, but I shan't. I shall be having a, a very light breakfast this morning. Uh, Robbie Williams is definitely going to be touring with Take That, but of course he is, because, uh, you know, ever since he sort of left, he's probably got loads of money, but I think he's as miserable as hell. Miserable as hell. Did, was it, wasn't it the, the wife who has to call him... What does she call him? What do we discover? That's right, national treasure. He's told his wife to call him a national treasure. Mainly, as I said on the programme, she goes to him, oh, where they dug him up from. Uh, the Sunday Express... I really must get hold of Jamie Oliver's cutlery and wine glasses for £31.90. I don't want to miss out on that. If that's what Jamie Oliver uses... Yeah, right. Uh, Sunday Mirror. Paul O'Grady exclusive. The day I stopped a knife attack on baby. Uh, Corrie star Shane and his married lover... Date with Hollyoaks actress. Don't be silly, I've seen Hollyoaks. There are no actresses in Hollyoaks. Most ghastly programme, honestly. It's, it's really got some horrible people in it. Uh, they seem to have... Obviously, obviously, the director must have some sort of death wish because every opportunity to get the blokes to take their shirts off, he goes for with gusto. I'll just say he. I might not have checked it properly. Noel's Saturday night c- comeback on television with Alan Carr. Not sure about that. The very peculiar... Uh, Rodrigo Alves, uh, yeah, he trolley dolly. He uh, uh, spent a lot of money to look uh, look like Ken, but he doesn't look like Ken at all. He just looks peculiar. As I say, he looks like he could be doing drag quicker than he could be playing the part of a man. So you look at the picture, you make up your own mind. Three in a bed celebs net leak terror. This celebrity is worried that the internet will be full of it. Uh, I advise people now. And I offer this as a free bit of advice this morning, that uh, even if you think you know who this celebrity is, do not put it on Twitter. OK, I offer you that as my free advice for the day, because the court will come down on you like a ton of bricks. And that's why nothing's appeared on Twitter so far, because people who've done this sort of thing before have found themselves before the courts and it will carry a custodial sentence. If you, because these people have got a super injunction. 
And so, you know, you might find something on the internet, but I advise you, do not retweet it or put it anywhere. I mean, at the worst, you could be fined thousands of pounds. I warn you now, that's my, that's my advice. That, that, comes from, that comes from people in the media who know exactly what's going on. So my advice is steer well, well clear of it, well clear. Uh, the story which they're going to be doing uh, with Stig for breakfast this morning is the scandal of Britain frittering away billions in foreign aid, including paying salaries to convicted terrorists who've murdered hundreds. In one case, we're paying for thousands of people who don't even exist. They're just made up. People are thieving these money. Why don't we just stop it immediately? Why do we, you know, what is the point of spending all this money? We're not, I mean, to murderers in some cases to murderers. I didn't bring you this morning because I didn't have enough time the wild, pardon me, the wild auction of memorabilia. It's another load of uh, movie memorabilia. It's really, uh, really good stuff. I didn't get round to Shane Ward bombarding a model with explicit uh, demands, which I think we'll leave to one side. Uh, the racism watchdog is a good story, paying uh, white employees more than black. Uh, the Perfect Sunday, Anthea Turner. We've got a load of people. We're going to have a gorgeous lunch and we're all going to be mucking in, in the kitchen together and it's just going to be super duper. We can't wait. Doesn't she just drive you to distraction? Anton Deck could get a new three-year deal and Chris Evans and Matt LeBlanc. The papers say they're looking tense. We haven't even got this programme yet and already there is uh, there appears to be rifts and stuff like that. It's all going a bit pear-shaped, hasn't it? Listen, thank you so much for your time this morning. I will be back with you tomorrow morning. You get me for three hours. Yes, it's me and thee between uh, four and seven o'clock tomorrow morning for the Bank Holiday Monday, because tomorrow is a bank holiday. And don't forget, you can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. You can download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. I think we're all going to have a lazy day. You might want to watch the boat race, but you'll certainly want to hear our uh, next guest because at 10 this morning it's beverly turner right now my very good friend with sunday breakfast stig abel thank you steve you easter bunny boiler